Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 and Jaron Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. Oh, what a day for old people. Has being old ever been cooler? <laughs> Everybody hit the golf course today at that senior game event trying to hit it 366 in the morning at Southampton St. John's Golf and Country Club Eagle Landing Hidden Hills a lot of thrown Osprey out backs Amelia River Fleming Island Queens Harbor Yeah I mentioned everybody that's associated with the Dream 18 card I got you equal love there cut the check yeah speaking of way cut cut the check on ESPN690.com for the Dream 18 card. It's the best deal in town, folks. I mean, if you're ever going to buy anything, buy the Dream 18 card. It's 45 bucks, and it's sincerely the best value you'll ever find. I thought it already was really good value, but now it really is. And a good Father's Day present. So here you go, ESPN690.com. Uh, Phil Mickelson got it done. i going to force you to talk a little golf today. Old people and golf, my two favorite things. <laughs> Can't wait. It actually is it's one of my favorite things about playing golf. I yeah. love just going over the course, not having anybody like in my group and getting matched up with a couple of 70 somethings. <laughs> it's fun playing with the, the, the old older people? crowd. Yeah. It really seriously is. Like, I really enjoy that. Like, uh, just from like the, like the, the conversations or what do yeah, you, yeah, I think a little yeah. bit of conversation. Uh, usually, you know, you can outdrive them. <laughs> sure. So it's a little confidence booster as well. <laughs> but, but no, they, Interesting backgrounds, you know, a lot of people of that age group, especially from other places. Yeah. Right. Not yep. didn't grow up here in, in Florida. So, uh, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I, I love that part of, uh, playing golf and getting to a course and teeing it up. But, uh, that was a heck of a scene. You know, the one thing about it that struck me over the weekend mm-hmm. last night, I don't know if it hit you guys the same way is, is if you just, you don't have to like golf, you watch that scene it was pretty incredible. Kind of a, a la, Tiger Woods Tour Championship in Atlanta when he when he really won his first tournament. Well, Not the Masters necessarily, but we won his first tournament where yeah. they flooded the fairway, which was really an epic scene, right, in golf. And we got it again yesterday. Well, I was going to say, watching that, I was like, I would be so uncomfortable if I were anybody actually playing that round. Mickelson kept going. Like, I was, I was uncomfortable for them with how many people and how close everyone was. Yeah. And- and I think that's a part of it. I think that's a discussion point. Yeah. Kepka made it a discussion point, too, and it was no surprise that he was going to make it a discussion <laughs> point. I knew it was coming. I knew he would say something about it. And, and I kind of get where he's coming from a little bit. But I'm just saying, yesterday, the thing that struck me from the whole weekend was that scene and mm-hmm. then Madison Square Garden. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. it, it really did feel like a welcome back sports. Like, I know we've had a UFC. I know we've had, like, Texas, uh, the ballpark, and, and Atlanta. They've had some filled stadiums. Yeah, we've had some crowds, right? Crowds have gotten back into it, but that crowd at Madison Square mm-hmm. Garden in that game because that was a really good basketball. For game. sure, I mean, really, I can tell you this: haven't watched the Knicks or the Hawks play all year, and I was locked in. Yeah, <laughs> all right. Yeah, yeah. So that again, sports fan, that was a great atmosphere. Sports fan, you didn't have to like golf to appreciate what was going on in the PGA Championship in the final half hour there. So, and it felt like wow the. The difference between having fans and not having fans, I don't know if we, we forgot. Yeah. I don't know if that just exacerbated it, but it felt like, hey, the pandemic is over, and welcome back, sports world. And fans, we missed you. We love you. We need you because 
the reason why those games were elevated or those situations were elevated was all because of the the fan and, and how excited they were. And fans really do matter in sports. I think we already knew that. I think we talked about it for the last year. Yeah. But I think yesterday was this great reminder of, man, the fans do make it. Yeah, to me, you know, it was a couple of weeks ago when Canelo fought in AT&T. Oh, was yeah, 73,000, right? You had 73,000 boxing fans absolutely going crazy. But that scene, you know, for the PGA Championship, that that was crazy, too, just because they all gathered um, to witness Phil Mickelson. You know, like they all gathered at the end of the hole. Uh, and it was cool to see. Like, it's it's definitely, you know, you definitely miss that kind of energy. Um Regardless of the sport, and I do agree with you, watching the Knicks last night, especially watching the Knicks lose, which is a, it's a tradition like no other, it seems <laughs> like. Um, yeah, it, it was cool to see. You know, I mean, it's, it, it's, it's the next step, um, in getting back to a sense of normalcy, I guess you would say. So yeah, it was cool to see. I, I don't, what is another step? I don't even know. Like, I, I don't, I think to me that kind of, that kind of signified it, and maybe there is something I think, else, right? I mean, I think once tailgating is 100% back yeah, okay. and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, is that fair to say? Is it football? I mean, the way it is in our culture now? You know, I mean, you, you saw, like, the gatherings outside the NBA um, arenas last night. You know, they, they had, like, the watch parties. Uh, those seemed to be in full effect. So, like, that was another step uh, towards the right direction. But, yeah, I think tailgating, especially for football, because, I mean, football stadiums are big, man. So once that comes back, I think we're full back, fully back. Yeah, well, and, and let's... In uh, American sports, I mean, the place where you put the most people in mm-hmm. is usually a college football stadium. Sure. So you see the Swamp or see Doe Campbell or you see Tuscaloosa yeah. or you see uh, the Big House. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. those with 100,000, you know, Tennessee, you, know, yeah. you get those kind of crowds on a yeah. Saturday afternoon to Saturday evening in Tuscaloosa. Well, then it might feel even more. We'll get it ramped up one more time. I'll say this. Once... Fans can come back at max capacity to college game day. Then sports will officially be back. <laughs> until that time, it'll be a little different. But until 100% fans are back at college game day, and Lee Corso and Kirk Herbstreit, hope you're listening, I will officially announce that sports are back. That's do you interesting. Do you, How's that interesting? But it's probably true. It has a feel. Yeah, that yeah. does feel like normal. I mean, isn't that tailgating? Yeah. 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 Do you think, um, you know, like specifically basketball, just because I'm thinking about it, maybe hockey too, like, Sports that are going through this whole pretty much play an entire season with no fans, and then all of a sudden fans are back for the playoffs. Home field, home field, or home court, or home ice, whatever you want to say, would be more beneficial this year than maybe previous years because they've gotten so used to not having that noise. Yeah, I think it could. Except last night I saw the Hawks beat the Knicks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But I I get your point. I, I think. I do believe for the last year, I think home court advantage and all that stuff, and now the NBA. Last season was in a bubble, so there really didn't exist right. anyway. But mm-hmm. I would say the way the NHL was playing in the bubble, and even football stadiums, it just didn't feel like there was home field, home court, home anything advantage. Yeah, sleep in your own bed, but we can't feel that. We can't measure that. I mean, well, we don't have no idea what's making a difference. I'll tell you what, on third and two from the seven-yard line, I can hear those fans making a difference, you know? Sure. So I think you're... I think we will feel it, and, and it's there's almost like a newness to it. I, this is something that nobody's experienced in our lifetime. Like we've never experienced the absence of it, mm-hmm. like, and and it just kind of punched it home for me yesterday. Uh, how 
you know what? We really didn't miss. I, I think it became so cliche to say it in the first few months. You know, we're doing all these shows last year and in May and June, and there's nothing going on. And, and we're talking sports and we're talking the pandemic and we're saying, man, we missed this. And people say it became a cliche. But I think yesterday kind of felt like and we've had the moments, like you said, UFC, if you were there, you uh, I think uh, the boxing match, like 73,000, that's a lot of people. That's a lot of people making noise. That's an electricity. I think uh, it just felt like it, Uh, and it jumped off the TV. See, the difference between Mm -hmm. the boxing match is like, well, not everybody was watching that on TV. For sure. You had to go get it. And so this jumped off the TV if you had it on yesterday. Mm -hmm. It's like, ah, I remember these days. And and we're back. I mean, it kind of felt like we're back. And like – as far as Madison Square Garden, was that max capacity? Or no. was it yeah. So I, I think like, I heard them say fifteen thousand. Yeah. And I think uh you could nineteen is is so, capacity. I think is what I heard them and, say. And that's kinda like the thing with the NHL too, where you might get a home ice advantage, but still like I think Tampa Bay right now they're like at thirty percent capacity. So while it may make a difference, it's not back to a hundred percent where you know fans are banging on the glass and it's that chaotic atmosphere. But once again, it's a step in the right direction. And I'll say this too. Bar here's what else this should this should uh Give us some confidence. Yes. This should make us feel a little bit more normal as a as a fan. This will kind of bring up the conversation we had on Friday. Like, what do you miss the most? The concert that's, you know, packed or or the stadium that's packed? Well, here's what's happening. Barring some unforeseen setback now in our world with COVID-19, it, all these places that want to be full in the fall for football that have spoken about it, these concerts that are getting booked, well, it's going to be full throat. I mean, it's going to be full go. Like, that's what yesterday gave me the confidence. Like, okay, it really is back to normal. Like, hey, the kids are going back to school five days and all over the country. We're going to be going to concerts again. We're going to sports venues again. We're going to cover things. I'm sure there will be some leftovers that will still feel like, hey, this was born in the pandemic. But not crowds. Crowds are going to be a thing. And so uh, if you have season tickets to your football team, the Jags, I'd – Plan on using your tickets. You know, yeah. I know they plan on having you, but now I think like days like yesterday gave me the feel like, okay, well, it's happening. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really is happening, uh, again, barring some unforeseen setback that we just can't see. Uh, one, one quick thought about – I don't want to spend too much time on the PGA yet. I want to talk a little Jags, OTA start today too. Well, we got Julio uh, Jones as well with the and, big story. And Julio Jones, uh, yes, uh, is, is a big story. Where could he end up, which we did discuss a little bit on Friday, I think it was, but – the Brooks Kepka part of that mm-hmm. is interesting. He, you know, he's coming off a knee injury, mm-hmm. and Steph was actually really watching. It was concerned for Mickelson. He really got like a fan, really like, like tried to almost jump on his back, like in congratulations, like hey, I love you, Phil. But he like yanked on him, yeah. and she was like, I think he just got like hurt there. I was like, all right, Steph, that's being dramatic. He didn't get hurt, yeah. but the point being, I, you don't want fans touching the athletes. No, you know that's no. that that's that seems unsafe. That has the um, I think the optics of being unsafe, yeah. uh, being unruly. Uh, it there was a fine line yesterday. My point of being, wow, that is awesome, and wow, this is dangerous. Sure, and, and I'm just again, I'm in the awesome category because give me the moment, right? Sure, but. I do get a little bit what Brooks was saying, Brooks Kepka, about like he's coming off a knee injury, he's getting bumped around a little bit. And I just think the PGA had to be very careful. The tour, uh, that PGA Championship TV on CBS, overly celebrating that scene. 
because I honestly don't think they want to see that scene at the end of every golf tournament or at the end of every major. I, I think that's uh, something they're going to have to think about. You know, and I'm sitting there at home watching it, and Ty's like, well, what you going to do about it? You have like 50 cops. What are you going to do? There's so many people. I was like, I don't know what they're going to do, but they're going to make sure they do something about it yeah. if this thing gets out of control. Yeah. So you don't want to ruin it for the ma- – that scene is cool once in a while, but don't ruin it for like – the rest of time. Is it a simple rope? I said, sooner or later, they're going to have horses out there like they do at the end of the World Series. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. Like that, yeah. that is a lot of people to control in a, in a unique setting to mm-hmm. where to control it. So as cool as it was, I think PGA Tour officials, I think golf officials, sports officials, however you want to say it, I think they're looking at that and like, hey, this was kind of cool moment, but we got to be careful here. No, for sure. I mean, you definitely got to be careful because anytime you get that close to a professional athlete, who knows what's going to happen, you know? So, um, you definitely have to be careful. I, I'm, I'm sure ropes or some kind of, um, I don't know if you say a barricade, but something will be, I think, propped up there to try to deter people from doing that. And if they do do that, then obviously they get arrested uh, on site. It's cool now because we're talking about it and Phil Mickelson didn't get hurt. You know, like he didn't hurt his knee. If he would have got hurt, well, then it's a completely different story, and that takes away from from that fantastic moment he did. So it's all good. But I, yeah, I agree with you. Regardless of the sport, I think you got to do a little something else to deter people from doing that. Yeah, and you know, I I noticed the somebody put a picture up. I think I retweeted the picture of uh, Woods mm-hmm. at the Tour Championship and the picture of Mickelson. And I think what I noticed in that picture was a rope. I think at the tour championship, and, and by the way, there might have been less people at the tour championship too, but the crowd that appeared to be massive, it yeah. might have been even more people, there, I think they were held back by a rope. I did sure. not see that at the PGA championship. I think I saw it on the uh, side where Phil was hitting his last shot, yeah. but when it was coming down the fairway and everybody was kind of collapsing on the fairway – I didn't see that. It might just be that simple. It's like, but, let's make sure yeah, we have a rope to rope people off. But at the same time, though, I mean, you got college football, you know, stadiums that have like barricades, you know, blocked up. And all of a sudden your team wins the last second field goal or something like that. And they beat like the number two team in the nation. What are you going to do? You're going to storm on the field. Much to the chagrin of people announcing it, saying, please don't storm on the field. They're still going to storm on yeah. the field. So and now I kind of like make, it as a viewer. Sure. So 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 then <laughs> you, you mix that atmosphere with a bunch of old dudes um, who've had a couple of Arnold Palmers with a little vodka in them. Every, like, you know, when you're three or four deep. Yeah, I don't think they're really going to care about a rope or a barricade. So I guess, I mean, it was a cool moment. Um, I'm not sure if you can do it going forward. But once again, will this happen going forward? Like, I, it's yeah. got to be that this certain person. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think if Brooks Kepka does that, I don't think no one's really celebrating that so much. I don't think so. It's, it's the story of Phil Mickelson. So, I mean, you can try to deter it all you want, but you got to take a look at it like that was a, a moment in time that was so rare where nobody saw it happening where it was like, okay, we got to celebrate this because um, it is such a unique opportunity. Yeah, too. and I kind of I agree with you, to the, but now we've seen it twice in the last three years. And while they've been exceptional circumstances You're talking about the Tiger with Woods Tiger well. yeah, and yeah, now yeah. Phil, mm-hmm. I just wonder – if that becomes such a cool scene, you know what people want to do? They want to mimic it. They want to do it again. They want to be a part yeah. of it. You know why rushing on the field is a thing? Like even if, like, you know, you were supposed to beat the team. Yeah. <laughs> because, yeah. Um, because it's a thing. And ripping down the goalpost became a thing. And so everybody wanted to do it all across the country. 
It wasn't just a one-time, two-time thing. So, again, I don't know. I'm not trying to get overly dramatic about it. But mm -hmm. I, I guarantee you those questions are happening um, amongst tour officials and other places. And there are probably some venues where it's okay to do it more than others. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, just, I just don't know when that is. Like, I don't know if that will be the scene at Augusta. I, yeah. I, I, don't, I doubt. Once again, I think it just depends who who wins it. Like if yeah. Sergio, if Sergio Garcia wins, I don't think people are going to be storming the you know like trying to get a glimpse of Sergio Garcia. Yeah. Like they're going to cheer for him, but it's not going to be like you know crazy. Like uh, what's the guy's name? Ust Ustazen. Yeah, yeah. They like, I don't think no. it's like oh okay. No, like, I can't and, pronounce the guy's last name. I'm not going to go cheer for him and tap him on the back. And here. I agree with you. I think yeah. the circumstances were very unique. I mean, Tiger for the first time, and Phil for maybe the last time in, in a time that was so unexpected. For sure. Uh, so I I think you're right there. Uh, but we'll see now what happens with it. Jack start OTAs. Hey, give us a little tutorial. Mm -hmm. they, they just went for <laughs> phase two, by the way, is the quickest one. <laughs> that yeah. was last week on the field and people were out there and it was all the talk about participation and how many people showed up. And then Tebow, of course, flooded everybody's minds. Mm -hmm. uh, he was on the practice field for a couple of days. But now it's OTAs. We know that offseason training activities. I feel like sometimes we take it for granted, like people are like, okay, this is phase three. Great. What the heck does that mean? OTAs, what does that mean? You you lived it. Yeah. Like, as a football player going from phase two to phase three, now OTAs, what does that mean for this football team? Yeah, you know, OTAs, it just it ramps everything up a little more now, right? Because we're going to have the rookies and the veterans there, if I'm not mistaken, correct? Everybody, like, well, yeah. still voluntary. So still voluntary, yeah. but I mean, for the most part now, you, you can mix the rookies and the veterans. So um, it's essentially, it's another step up, which is fantastic. I think out of that rookie minicamp, those who participated, there wasn't any injuries that I know of, I don't think. I know Tyson Campbell, um, I think he was a little a hampered hamstring, I think. before he got there, was it though? Well, well I think he, no, he said the first day of that rookie camp, he, okay, he, he kind of tweaked, tweaked something. A little bit. So, okay, so Tyson Campbell... Um, you know, we'll see how, where that goes going forward. But now it's a chance to ramp things up a little bit. You got 11 on 11. You start running those plays a little more. You start getting, um, you know, it's not full speed, obviously, but you're on air now. And you just kind of see where guys are lining up and what it looks like so far. It's it's definitely far from a training camp. Um, you know, we're not going to be hitting anything like that. But it's it's the next step in that direction. And now that you have that veteran presence as well, things will get ramped up a little more, right? Because the veterans can handle it. Yeah, I, I think what's interesting to me here, Austin, and, and this will have to be something that's talked about with players that know and will see the reaction coming out of the league. But I think this, in my opinion, is the phase that got negotiated between coaches and players for showing up. You know, the story out of Miami where Flores basically negotiated with the players, hey, there won't be as much exertion, but we really want you here. We need you here. We think it's a valuable time. Well, a lot of them showed up because of that. Uh, what did Urban Meyer say? We don't know exactly. Did they show up because it's new and they want to get off on the right foot or whatever the reasoning? But I think this is the phase that maybe in the past, I don't know how physical it's been. I understand it hasn't been a camp. It's not Oklahoma drills. It's not all that. Mm -hmm. But whatever the physical level was, or the exertion level was, I think this is the one that maybe we'll see a different of, or they'll feel a difference, not we'll see it, mm -hmm. of it dialed back a, a notch or two. Mm -hmm. uh, that's what I that's what I take out of this last couple of years, where we didn't have the OTA period, where players are like, see, we can do this without this time and, and still play the game of football yeah. and have a good season and have quality play. And But coaches in the league and everybody that's been negotiated in the new CBA says, hey, this is part of it. We want you here. We think we this is valuable time. Well, I think this week, this next couple of weeks, these 10 OTAs, these 10 practices, I think that's where you'll see the negotiation 
feel maybe a little bit different as a player. I don't know that. I just think that uh, could be the case. So what I'm looking for in this session of OTAs going forward, it's all about making sure everyone's on the same page mentally. Because once again, you're installing a new offense. You're installing a new defense. And a lot of these guys are going to be on that field these next couple of days. They, they, they've never played together before. So that takes time. That relationship takes time to build um, and grow. That's what I want to see right now. Because you better believe once training camp starts, like guys are going to be expected to, to know the plays, all this stuff, and hit the ground running. Right now is where you can kind of tailor it a little more to be like, all right, this is what we're trying to do. This is why we're doing it. Uh, and let's address the situation. So to me, it's going to be a little more mental. Like it'll be physical still. And, you know, guys will be sweating. I mean, it's Jacksonville. You well, know, it's and the heat's turned up this week. Yeah. So it's, it's going to be a toasty one. But uh, yeah, look to be more mental of guys getting lined up properly, guys knowing their assignments, things like that. And by the time training camp starts, it's 100% 8-8 out the gate. Yeah, and uh, I will say this, and I said this about the kind of rookie minicamp, too. Mm-hmm. I think this is just as valuable for this coaching staff right now. Yeah. By the way, like, who's coaching special teams? Even that with the Brian Schneider news of over the weekend, right? Mm-hmm. On Friday, right when we got what got off the air. So um, I do think it's a valuable time for a new regime. Yeah. Uh, maybe more so for them than even the players. That's debatable. But it's a big time for the coaching staff as well. What kind of storylines will we see from Tebow to Trevor to who else? Did you see, like, Justin Blackman out on social media? Yeah. You see that? Mm-hmm. Uh, caught my attention. Let's make it happen, unquote. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. We'll talk more about that. If you missed it, we'll tell you what you might have missed. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 here on a Monday. Glad to have you along. Hope you had a good weekend. Austin Lane. I had braces. I still have my permanent retainer in. It's been knocked out twice. Brent Martineau. So it's not stuck in there. No, it's not stuck in there. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. It's very exciting because I've had a few breakthroughs on being able to stay more present, be able to stay more, more focused. And... Physically, I'm I'm striking it and playing as well as I ever have, but I haven't been able to see that clear picture. So, although I believed it until I actually did it, there was um, there was a lot of doubt. I'm sure. That is Phil Mickelson, your 2021 Players Champ. I do love the stat. I mean, it's unbelievable. There's so many stats with Phil. He won in four different decades. Four mm-hmm. different decades. That is remarkable. Really remarkable. And also, Colin Morikawa was it, one of last year was 23 years old. Phil's 51 almost. <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty cool sport when that can happen. But hey, being old isn't bad. Just ask Tom Brady. Just ask Phil Mickelson. You know what's funny is like in your sport in MMA, there's a bunch of older guys that fight. Dep- it usually depends on the weight class, but yeah, I mean the heavier weight classes, there's like guys in their 40s. That's what stunned yeah. me. I about mean, like that. the that former feels champion like a was really like young person sport. See, but the, the thing about heavyweights is the last thing to go is your power, so you can get away with it a little more. But, yeah, there are older guys in MMA for sure, which is nuts because it's MMA. <laughs> it's getting punched in the face and punch people in the face. Yeah, and I, I'm trying – I mean, old – I think tennis is really tough mm-hmm. on the knees, like what Federer and even Djokovic and Nadal have done this late in their career. I mean, when I was a kid, I was watching Jimmy Connors still play into his 40s. I think he was. He felt even older than that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but he was – you know, he'd have, like, one more run in him. Kind of felt like a Mickelson kind of run mm-hmm. in him. Uh, but you really – it's hard in, in tennis because that, that's a young person sport as well, and the knees don't cooperate, usually in the hips and, and the joints and everything else in the sport of tennis. Uh, but it, it's just today's athlete 
I mean, uh, you know, with what Phil said, if, if you want to work hard at it, if you want to take the right diet to it, you see his fast schedule, 36 hours? 36 hours, yeah, man. Should I hop on that one? I mean, I would just recommend do the just eat eight hours a day and then fast for the other 16, but do what you got to do. I feel like not eating for a day and a half is a little aggressive. Like, what is he drinking? Like, is he drinking a lot that, of water? Well, or is, is he drinking fasting or just drinking water? Just water. Yeah. Right? I think you can get by with coffee because it's low calorie if you want anything to it. But more than likely, if he's truly fasting, but it's he, just water. But he said he does that on a weekly basis. Yeah. So his body kind of, he says, resets. For sure. Definitely just do it for, just eat eight hours a day and then don't for the rest of the time and, you know, eat every single day. That's kind of what I've tried to do. Me. Like, I'm more like, if I'm doing well with it, yeah. I, I really don't eat till like one o'clock usually or 12 mm-hmm. and then try to stop at eight or nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've been pretty concerned. Like, I started doing that last year and I'm not a breakfast guy anyway. Sure. So it really works for me. The harder part is not eating at like midnight. Of course. Because well, I'm yeah. up late. But then you get but, used to it depending on your schedule though. Cause yeah. you, you have a crazier schedule than I do. But 36 hours, man. Yeah, that's more power to you. I don't know if I could do. I don't know. Maybe I could. Maybe I could. Maybe I try it. But every week, yeah, it's nuts. I wouldn't do it. I want to ask Phil. Can you have a few cocktails or? Uh, I bet those got a little calories in them, man. I'd be careful (laughs) with those cocktails. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, they do. Uh, Brett Martin, Austin Lane, Coos here on a Monday celebrating old people. Thanks to Phil Mickelson. Older has never been cooler in sports. I mean, it really. Tom Brady and Phil Mickelson in 2021 have. Job made, rant though, huh? Made being old cool. Job Job rant though goes, hey, go ahead and hold my ARP card because the <laughs> young guns are coming up and it's not a big deal. Job Morant, very good, but I have now watched Memphis play like twice in the yeah. last week, and Grind City, baby. Dylan Woods. Dylan Woods. Nope. Dylan, Dylan Brooks. Brooks. Dylan Brooks. Why did I say Woods? I got Tiger on my mind. <laughs> Dylan Brooks has been unbelievable. It's good. I remember him in that Final Four run for Oregon. Yeah. And. I watched him. It wasn't against Golden State. They played somebody last week that I watched. Talking about the Grizz. Um, they had two games, right? So they had to beat somebody else. The Spurs. They played the Spurs. Oh, yeah. And Brooks in that game was terrific. Mm-hmm. Terrific. Like hitting shots. Like, and again, I mean, if you watch Memphis play bat, NBA a lot, like, good on you. I just, I just, I don't. And, <laughs> and I should really get Grayson Allen has played some good minutes for him. And obviously, John Morant's had another really nice year. Yeah. Uh, get that free throw shooting a little bit better, though. Not worried but about Dylan it, man. Brooks, We're good. Dylan Brooks was unbelievable again yesterday. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was, a, that was a fun watch. No doubt about it. Um, I don't know where I was going with that. But that was, uh, you, oh, you were talking about young guys. You talking about old people. Dylan Brooks, by the way, did I hear correctly he was a second-round pick? I think he was a second-round pick. And for Brooks to – you don't see that very often. I'm sh- I mean, I know there are countless examples of it. But yes, yeah, yeah. he was second, the second round in 2017. Yeah, a lot pick of second-round picks don't even make the roster in, in the NBA. Like, I know second-round pick, we think about Major League Baseball or the yeah. NFL. Like, that's a big player. Not necessarily. So his story is a nice one yeah. for Memphis. And that's one of those – I was thinking like a team like Memphis that you go get John Morant, who could be a game-changing player. But a guy like Brooks is what – if he's good and consistently good, mm-hmm. that can help really turn your franchise around because yep. you didn't expect him to do what he's doing. Chris Middleton for the Bucks, a second round pick. Second as well. round pick. Yeah. See, those, those the, are the guys. They're, they're very rare. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. those, but those are the contributors that really help uh, mm-hmm. pave the way. We'll talk a little bit more about the NBA postseason coming up in a little bit. But uh, Jags OTAs this week. Things to watch. Mm-hmm. All right. How, Trevor is always going to be something to watch, right? I'm gonna give, I'll give you like five quick things to watch. Uh, Trevor, certainly. 
a thing to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, Tebow, all eyes are going to be on Tebow when we get a chance to go out there for a couple hour practice. Sure. I mean, wh- what's he look like? Does he look like he's an embarrassment to the position? Does he look like he fits in and plays the position? If you never knew that was Tim Tebow out there, which is going to be a very hard exercise to do, <laughs> but if you didn't know he was out there, would it be like an eyesore? Yeah. You know what I mean? No, for sure. Like, are you going to be like, like, who the heck is that? Yeah. Who did they? Who they let win a day at practice? Yeah, yeah, yeah I got you. No, <laughs> you I hear know? you. Yeah. Like, is it going to look like that, or is it going to look like guys been playing tight end for five years? Yeah. I, I mean, like, I don't think it's going to be like that. It'll, it'll take some time. Well, it's OTA is my yeah, point. For you sure. know, I mean, how much can you see? Yep. But there's a natural ability to sports. Where you can usually tell when somebody fits in or doesn't. For sure. And that's what I'm getting but, at with the T-Bow. Yeah, and I, I mean, the fact, and I can't say this enough, the guy is built like a Roadblocks character. If you don't know what Roadblocks are, Google no. him sometime. I know he's, exactly. built, he's built like a Roadblocks character, so he's already sticking out as it is, rocking the 85. Yeah, I'm excited to see what this guy can do. Of course, there's going to be an adjustment period. Like You can't expect him to go in there day one and compete for a starting job. But you're going to find out quick, you know, like once you see him on, you know, one-on-one drills and things like that of of running routes, you know, you're going to find out quick we can bring the table. Let's just say that. Yeah, I think our eyes should be able to pick up on that pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. But the, the, so, yeah, so we got the Tebow thing, Trevor Lawrence, obviously. Um, the other, and this has been a big story as well, and I want some clarification because this is going to be a little more telling, I feel like, now that it's going to be 11 on 11. Where is ETN going to go? Well, and that's a good, that's on my list, yeah. right? ETN, mm-hmm. like, what what does that look like? Mm-hmm. Uh, and is he more wide receiver? Is he playing some running back? Is he mixing in with James Robinson? I, again, how much we're we gonna see in a two-hour OT? I don't know, but I'm interested. You're gonna start there. seeing the, the the packages, in my opinion, start getting implemented. So, like when we see these packages, I mean, it could be telling. All right, well, we got ETN in the backfield. Well, we got ETN in the slot. Like it, it should give you a little idea of what the plan's gonna be going forward for him. Yeah. Uh, hey, listen, I want to see how many guys are out there. I mean, it, did they lose some? Uh, full participation, what does that mean, or almost full participation? That was a headline last week, like around Wednesday, I think it was, before Tebow became the headline. Like, is that noticeable? You got 90 guys, or do you have 84? That would be even pretty good. Or or are there really more like 70 out there, and we're calling that almost full participation? Mm-hmm. I don't know what that's going to look like. That starts today, but we'll get a glimpse at it on Wednesday uh, out there on the field. I, I'm interested in C.J. Henderson. Just an early look at maybe body language. Like, where does he, again, and you mentioned Tyson Campbell, uh, maybe had a little bit of a hamstring, it sounded like, from rookie minicamp, so maybe he's not even in there. But are they starting to float some of these guys around in, in a nickel look uh, outside? CJ Henderson is somebody that I'm going to watch when I go out to practice, whether it's Wednesday, whether it's minicamp, or whether it starts in late July at training camp. I think CJ Henderson has my attention. Yeah. Uh, and, and the secondary does in general, but definitely C.J. Henderson does. What does he look like coming off injury? And, and, again, I think some of it's even body language-centric for me. For sure. Now, you know, with these first OTAs coming up as well, I mean, th- like I said, it's going to be 11-on-11, 11 11, whether it's on air, whether it's, you know, quarter speed, whatever the case may be, it will be 11-on-11. 11 11. And this is going to give you your first opportunity, at least for the most part. Now, keep in mind, rosters always change, depth positions always change, all this stuff. But it's going to be your first glimpse of, well, who's starting? Now, once again, if Tyson Campbell's out, Henderson's going to be in there. 
But if they go to nickel package, you, you, you can see. Is Tyson Campbell playing in the slot? Is he playing on the outside? Who's playing um, you know, slot corners? It's C.J. Henderson. So assume that everyone's going to be 100% healthy, which, once again, that's a big what if. Assume that everybody's going to show up, which, once again, that's a big what if. But you can definitely get a, a gauge of who are going to be the starters going forward. You know, it's Caleb on chase on. Do, do they feel him as a starter right now? So I'll or, picture him. You see how much bigger yeah, he is? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's by design, obviously. Because yeah. he's got, I mean, you, you play the run on strong side linebacker now, man. They're going to count on you for that um, on the other side of Josh Allen. So that's great to see as well. And you're going to get a good idea of the depth up front in terms of defensive line. Like, you have a pretty good idea, but where's, you know, a guy like Taven Bryan? Where is he going to fit in the second string, third string? Uh this is what you can kind of find out from OTAs. All right, and my last one, okay, and we kind of threw ETN in there together, but my last one that I have uh, down there um, was, is Gardner Minshew. Mm-hmm. Like, in a weird way, my this is a guy that we talked about all last year. I'm actually somewhat surprised he's still on the roster, man. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I am. Uh, not that, I don't think he would be released. I just thought they would have made a move with him at some point. And so, speaking of body language and reps and all those kind of things, like, Gardner Minshew was the attraction this time last year if we were to have OTAs, and I know we didn't, but any time the Jags stepped on the field, number 15 was an attraction. Mm -hmm. Now he's very much a sidebar footnote kind of story, but I'm still intrigued by it. Like, where does he mix in with Jake Luton, C.J. Beathard behind Trevor Lawrence? Mm -hmm. I'm kind of interested in in Gardner Minshew. I, I I think people almost forget he's on the roster still. And yes, he is, and how long he will be, I don't know. But uh, I think my eyes will go to those kind of uh, players, from Trevor to Tebow to Minshew, uh, C.J. Henderson, and the totality of it to me was the full participation part. But I do think, uh, like you said, ETN is still a guy. We're going to kind of look at that. You can pick a ton of players. There's a ton of storylines here. Uh, I think the one guy my ears will go to is probably Joe Cullen. <laughs> no, for sure. I mean, how could they not go to, to Joe Cullen? That's, that's a given, sir. Uh, so, anyway, uh Here's the deal with the OTAs. They start today, yeah. and uh, Wednesday the media will get a chance to be out there. I think there's three sessions the media will get a chance, one uh, this week, twice next week, and then you got the mini camp, which will be open, but not to the public. Just a reminder, not to the public. So uh, hopefully we can be your eyes and ears a little bit. I, I do think, one, we have to be a little bit careful of it, but it happens naturally. I think narratives get formed kind of this time of year when you see it even just three samples of this football team, they start to take shape. And narratives aren't always the truth. Mm. you know. So I think of players like Juwan Taylor and Cam Robinson, player like Caleb on chase on, even a C.J. Henderson. I think this is where our eyes might see something out of practice and everybody starts writing about it, talking about it, taking it to an extreme level off one two-hour session of practice and narratives get formed, it might not be always fact. It might be a little bit of fiction internally, but this is where those things start to take shape. This is no, why the yeah. NFL is a big engine in that regard. So uh, keep your eye on those kind of storylines. you got Walker Little who might try to push yeah. those other guys at tackle. You've got Tyson Campbell who might push C.J. Henderson and what's up with that. Caleb on Chase Hunt who feels like he's got a lot to prove going into this year. Uh, there's even the Taven Bryan stuff. But Taven Bryan kind of took on that life even last year and, and years prior. Um, go all the way back. Luke Jokel took on that kind of mm-hmm. you know uh, narrative. So – 
And, and by the way, some of those are factual <laughs> narratives. They're yeah. not all fiction. But be careful this time of year to shape too much of an opinion no. on a two-hour practice. <laughs> no, you can say that. I'm talking about the masses. Now. No, for sure. For sure. Because I remember a couple of years ago, and it might have been OTAs, might have been minicamp, when it was the Nick Foles, Chris Conley show. And you had Chris Conley doing go routes and Nick Foles hitting him in stride. Yeah, yeah. What we're all talking about. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, guess what, fantasy football? If you don't get that Nick Foles Chris Conley combination, you're gonna be missing out on the That's championships. True. All right, like everybody was like that was the talk of OTAs, whatever mini camp, training camp. It was the Nick Foles or Chris Conley co- uh, combination. How are we doing with that now? How how's that looking now? A couple of years after the fact. Not so good. So, yes, you, you got to take everything with a grain of salt here. Once again, to me, I'm looking at more personnel, more depth. Um, you know, guys could have good days, bad days, but you can't put all that eggs in one OTA because nine times out of ten, you'll probably be disappointed. Yeah, very true. Yeah, just be careful, right? Let's settle down. A lot of storylines with the Jags, though. Not only right now this time of year, but when they take the field in, in July and August and when it really ramps up. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of different angles to go. I mean, well, you could you could interview a different player every day, and and yeah, you can do that naturally every year because there's 90 players. But I'm talking about sincere intrigue and interest in so many different positions and players, and and a freshness around here because of Urban Meyer, this new regime, and Trevor Lawrence, of course. Uh, more to come. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Talk a little more football. What about Julio Jones? Like we're now, I mean, he's out, right? He's he's definitely leaving Atlanta. Certainly looks like both sides are ready to make that happen. Yep. Who's going to dance with the Atlanta Falcons? We talk about it on ESPN 690. Man, look, you want to go to the Cowboys, Julio, or you want to stay in Atlanta? Oh, man, no, I'm out of there, man. You He's out, out. Of He's out of there. Ideally, where would you like to go? Uh, right now, I'm just, see, I want to win. Okay. Yeah. We don't go to Dallas. If you go, you ain't winning in Dallas, Julio. Uh, you already, you already, man, listen, come on, man. You already know I know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you remind him we're on television? Ask me why we're in the Dallas. Listen, sure. listen. You know how people look, man, with all that going right. on with the, the picture? Yeah. yeah. And all that stuff like that. Okay. Man, I ain't never been on that. You know what I'm saying? Okay. I'll talk to you later. Thanks for calling me back. We on air, but I appreciate you calling me, dog. You know I know my nephew was going to pick up. <laughs> Shannon Sharp and Julio Jones. Yeah. You think Julio really knew he was on air? Did he under, fully he, understand that? I mean, I think he did because he could hear Skip Bayless in the background, right? Or not? It was yeah, on speakerphone. I know, but I just don't know if he actually like knew he was on air. No. Nah. <laughs> yeah. If you're not, <laughs> isn't the there like rules you, against that though? I feel like you got to tell him, hey, by the way, you're on the air. Well, he did tell him. I just don't know if he well, believed after him. the fact. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. So, Julio Jones is the one that wanted the trade. Yeah. That's the report. Like, I thought it was kind of the other way around. Like, if you listen to a Terry Fontenot interview right around draft time, Mm -hmm. the GM of Atlanta was like, yeah, well, you know, we're up against it cap-wise, and so it makes some sense. But it apparently is more Julio Jones wants out, even though they're keeping Matty Ice and they got Ridley and now they have Kyle Pitts. And I would think that might change my mind a little bit for Julio Jones to be a part of that offense, but he wants out. Where does he end up? We did this the other day. I mean, I think there's a chance he could end up in Seattle. There were some rumblings over the weekend, by the way, of the Patriots. Did you see, I think it was Ian Rapp report saying that they would prefer to trade him in the AFC if they, if it came down to it? Yeah, I would imagine. Yeah. I mean, I don't even know if you have Once to again, report that, but. Well, yeah. 
Uh, but once again, I'm going to say this for, I don't know, I feel like it's the 20th time next. I said it about 19 times on Friday, Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, you said it. I, I'll, Kansas City Chiefs. I'll buy you a soda if it's uh, Oh, that's okay. Hey, trust me. I, I don't need your sodas because I'm going to have so much fun on social media in terms of, you know, it's kind of like the Trey Lance effect a little bit. Now, I was humble with the whole Trey Lance thing. I could have went yeah. back and uh, go to the archives and see where I called it, but I'm too lazy to do that, and I just don't feel like doing it. But with this Julio Jones thing, I might have to do it. Julio Jones, Jacksonville, no, like, like, should you make a? I mean, could make a call. It's 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 fun to talk about, isn't it? But let's be honest, it doesn't Julio, feel realistic. Well, no, because Julio Jones wants to win a Super Bowl, and Jacksonville, with all due respect to the Jaguars right now, are they in the line of win a Super Bowl? Probably not. Some people mention like a team like the Titans. What about the Colts? What about? I mean, if you think yeah. in Super Bowl, like, what, yeah. what can I put over the top again? Like, I don't think as a player, I understand the Super Bowl chase with Kansas City. I get it. Mm-hmm. But I don't understand as a player, like, I want to contribute to a Super Bowl, too. Like, I want to take a team to another level. Like, I still feel like I've got that oh, in me. Julio Jones will contribute no, no matter where he goes. Like, even if he goes to Kansas City, I guarantee you Andy Reid's going to find They'll him. They'll find a place, yeah. yeah. I mean, he's going to replace Sammy Watkins, essentially. Or yeah. did, did we sign Sammy Watkins? I don't think they did. He's kind of always the odd man out, it seems. I don't feel like yeah. they did re- resign yeah. him. In fact, he might still be out there. Eh, somebody must have picked him up. Interesting. Let me check it's kind of out. an under-the-radar move, but I remember yeah. seeing his name floating around at one time, and I don't know if he had been picked up, but somebody had to pick him up. Uh, oh, he's on the, the Ravens. Ravens, there we go. So it's just a quiet signing. I never heard yeah, about that. I, I, I mean, I vaguely remember him because I just didn't know who. Uh, but, uh, but anyway, if you think Super Bowl only, I mean, you can go to a bunch of NFC teams. We mentioned Green Bay. We mentioned Seattle. Yes. Yes. Uh, Tampa Bay. I don't think they have room for him in Tampa. Like, doesn't feel like it. But they don't really have room for him in Kansas City, maybe. And it, yeah, and they well, still could make it. Who's playing that? Because I mean, who's playing Sam Watkins spot? I guess Miko Hardman. Miko Hardman. I mean, they yeah, but he's in he's more like this. He's kind of like the, the the gadget guy, though. You get the sense. Yeah. Uh, I'm, listen, you'll make like you said, you'll make room for Julio oh, you, Jones. You, but, you're going to make it work regardless. But you're making a trade. First of all, they say they want a number one uh, first round pick. I don't think they're going to get that. I think that's the the thought in league circles is they won't get that, mm-hmm. because, especially at this time of the season, mm-hmm. uh, of the off season. And you, you're talking about a guy that is, has been injured, mm-hmm. a guy that will cost some ten, eleven million dollars. I think it is, and and a second round pick or a first round pick. I mean, you got to be a little bit careful there. I don't know what kind of capital Kansas City has and if they're willing to do that. And do they need it? Like, it's great if you're Julio Jones say, yeah, I'd like to go to Kansas City. Sure. But Kansas City has every right to be like, do we really need Julio Jones? Right. Okay. But are you a better team with Julio Jones or without Julio Jones? I would say you're probably better. But are you is it, are you $10 million in a second-round pick better? That's what you have to ask For, yourself. First of all, once again, don't worry about the salary cap because we've figured out that's not real. And a second-round pick for Julio Jones, if he's healthy, absolutely. Absolutely. So, so, like, you would, uh, for the next couple years, again, I'm not saying Julio would come here, but would you, for the Jacksonville Jaguars, say, hey, we'll give you a second next year for Julio Jones? Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, I wouldn't even think twice about it. I'd be on the phone right now offering that. Yeah. Not, not a first. Ah, uh, even a first, man. Is for a couple to, years? It, it, it's depending where the first would be. Yeah, well, you got to believe Jags are going to be in the top 15 at I mean, I understand last year he was out a little bit and the numbers were down, but if you look to the track record of Julio Jones, and I wouldn't bet against him, I think he still has lots to offer. I definitely, I definitely sacrifice second round pick, no questions asked. I don't think teams will be as willy nilly with those draft picks and dollars as you are. So you don't, you don't think teams are gonna be lining up with the Julio Jones sweepstakes on the doorstep? 
Oh, I know. I think you're wild. Well, and I think the the illustration that will be with what pick would do they get? Sure. You know, for it. What's yeah. the compensation? I think that will be our indicator of how many. Sure, every team wants Julio Jones, but what are you willing to give up mm-hmm. to get Julio Jones? I think it will be less than you think. We'll be back. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690.